we're here today in every single campus to profess that there is a king named Jesus that rules and reigns above it all, amen? We've come together, we've come out of our homes and we've come out of our neighborhoods and we've come out of our, our weekend to say we believe that there is a king who is ruling and reigning above it all. Let's give that king a hand one more time, church. We thank you, Jesus. You rule and reign above it all. We love you. This is for you today. Be glorified and be blessed. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you grab a seat, church? Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Hope you're well. How about this weather? It almost is like we need to give the Lord a hand for the weather. A beautiful weekend. Up here in the upstate anyway, down there on the coast, we touched the 50s this morning. It was glorious. And uh, hey, I, I want to come out this morning. I'm not preaching today. We're about to turn it over to our campuses in just a moment for Galatians week uh, three in our No Other Gospel series. So if you want to open your Bible and get yourself ready. But I wanted to come out right here at the top and look at you and on behalf of our Lord tell you, church, thank you. Thank you. Thank you because you are a good generous church. And I wanted to let you know, many of you have reached out to one of your campus pastors or reached out to us and asked, what are we doing with all that's going on in the world? And I wanted to tell you, we don't have to wait to gather on a Sunday to respond on your behalf, but I wanted to let you know because of your generosity, there were three groups responding to three significant things in the earth this week that we partnered with. Crossover Global, Mercy Chefs, and Convoy of Hope. Let me talk to you about Crossover Global real quick. A lot of you have been praying and asking questions about what we can do in Afghanistan right now. Well, Crossover Global is our ministry partner and solution. Now, our Columbia campus hears about Crossover Global a lot because their president is a member of our campus there, Pastor Ken Katayama. But here's what you need to know, church. This group, Crossover Global, has been planting churches in very difficult Islamic majority culture four years, and you have been partnered with them. And so what do we do in a moment like this? Well, we double down on our partnership with groups like Crossover Global, who have 173 churches right now in region that are able to welcome the refugees that are coming across borders and finding shelter and safe haven in churches that you, New Spring Church, partner with. And I wanted to come and just tell you thank you. We don't have to take up a special offering because of your generosity and the way that you tithe and give. We're able to just respond on your behalf. And so this week we were able to, listen to this, there are seven families specifically that we are right now as a church helping to partner with Crossover that represent 37 men, women, and children that we have basically said we're going to partner with them over the next four months to provide shelter, food, medical care, and, and, and education for them because of what you do every single week. So I just want to say thank you, and I want to ask you to continue to pray. We've got many, many more opportunities in the days to come. And when, and when CNN and Fox News and all the channels stop talking about it, the church will still be there. And you'll still be there. And so thank you for the way you give. The bottom two are really intentional responses to Hurricane Ida. Mercy Chefs provides meals. They're able to do it way better than we could if we went to buy groceries. And so you gave to Mercy Chefs this week. And we were able to give on your behalf. As well as Convoy of Hope. They do disaster relief in the, in the face. And they're great ministry partners of ours. And I just am here today to say thank you for the way you give. And to let you know we've already responded on your behalf. So I just want to say that up front and let you know here's how you can be praying and we are grateful that we are able to give as a church 
10% of everything you give, we find great partners like this and vet them and know them and operate in relationship because we believe that the kingdom of God is about relationship. Amen? So I just wanted to let you know that at the top of the service today. Now, would you join me in prayer? And on all of our campuses, we are going to have one of our local pastors preach this and I want you to know they have prepared. And they, listen, you need to laugh at their jokes. You need to amen them loud. You need to encourage them and stir faith. You're about to hear some great sermons in every single one of our rooms. So let me pray for us and then we'll get ready to receive the word. Father God, thank you for Galatians chapter 3. Thank you for every single one of these men. And thank you for the word that they're coming. We, we look at them right now and we respond to them as if they're the voice of you. Because this is the way you've ordained it. That your people would proclaim your news and we would receive your word from the scriptures. So today, God, would you encourage us where we need encouragement? Would you correct us where we need correction? And in all things, God, would you be glorified and that we would receive joy as we've gathered here today to lift up your name, Jesus Christ. And it's in your name we pray. And everybody that's ready to receive God's word said together, amen, amen. Amen. Thanks, Coop. Good morning, everyone. Hope y'all are doing well. I hadn't planned on saying this, but I want to piggyback on um, something that, that Brad said uh, in reference to the Davises video. How many of y'all know LJ and Danny Davis personally? Okay, they're a part of our campus. Uh, they're phenomenal people, and we support them. So, like, financially, in addition to, like, all the things that Brad talked about, yes and amen, there are dozens of organizations that we support as a campus, but we financially support them. So if you've given a dime to New Spring Church in the past how many ever years? I don't know. Danny and LJ have felt that, so I just want to say thank you. It's a big deal if, if, if you're partnering with us financially. It's a, it's a massive deal. So um, we are in the, the middle of a series called No Other Gospel. Uh, I am tasked with Galatians 3 today, and so I, I want to jump right in. Let's look at this. This is how we're defining the gospel for this series. This is going to be up on the screen for you to read along. I'm going to read it from right here. The gospel is the good news that Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead so that through faith in him, we can be made right with God and enjoy life with him forever. Now, the reason that's important is because we all want to start from the same place and we all want to know what we're working with. That's how we're defining the gospel based on what the Bible says. Now, uh, in, in week one, Brad comes out and he talks to us about Galatians 1, and he tells us that Paul is writing this letter to the church in Galatia about 16 years after Jesus had died. And the reason he's writing this letter is because he sees some things happening in the church that are not good. So he's dialing 911. He's writing a letter of emergency going, if you don't change some things, there's bad news on the horizon. So Brad tells us that, and then Caleb comes last week to talk through chapter 2, and he talks about our drift bias. And one of the reasons that Paul is writing this letter is because he sees the church drifting. Now, the church in Galatia, they're drifting this direction towards, towards legalism, towards adding things to the gospel that Jesus did not ask them to do. And the other way that we can drift, Paul writes letters to other churches later on, the other way we can drift, we can drift this direction towards too much freedom, and, and living in sin, we're taking a license into God's grace that was never intended for us to have. And so he's saying that we drift back and forth. We all have a tendency to, to drift. So Paul's writing this letter because he's going, hey, Galatians, you're drifting, and he wants to help. Now, so like I said, Paul planted uh, the, these churches, or planted the church in Galatia about 16 years, at, or 14 years, 15 years after uh, Jesus had died, resurrected, and then ascended into heaven. 
but he's writing this letter back to them about 18 to 24 months after he had planted the church. So he helps plant the church, gets everything squared away, and then he rolls, and he's standing watching what's happening. He's catching wind of what's going on in the church in Galatia, and he goes, I gotta, I gotta let them know. Now, how many of you have ever been to the beach? Raise your hand. Come on, hi. Is, here's a better question. Is there anybody that hadn't been to the beach? Raise your hand if you've never been to the beach. Anybody? Perfect, okay? This is gonna be amazing. You get in the ocean, some of y'all know maybe weird about stuff rubbing up on your leg, whatever. You get in the ocean, you go out, you're playing around, you're throwing the football, you're body surfing, you're getting smashed by a wave you didn't know was going to hit you, all this crazy stuff happens. And then you get ready to go back in, and you look up, and you don't know where you are. You know what I'm talking about? You don't know where your umbrella is, I don't know where my cooler's at. I'm over here. And you start walking. You know, you kind of slosh through the water. You get over there. The problem with drifting is you don't know you're drifting. And so the reason that Paul is writing this letter is he's standing on the edge of the beach and he's going, Hey! I'm over here! And you're going over there. And you need to be here. And so today, what I intend to do, and I need to say this before we go any further, Drifting is not for bad people. Drifting is for everybody. Because Paul, in chapter 2, I'm sorry, yes, Paul in chapter 2 comes at Cephas, Peter, to, to tell him, you're drifting. You've drifted. And so everybody in here, your boy included, drifts. And I don't think we have the intention to. So from time to time, it's, it's kind to reference Brad. To have someone go, hey, umbrella's here. Fixed point of reference is here. Your home is here. So that's what I intend to do today. So Paul writes this letter back to the church in Galatia, like I said, about 18 months, two years after he's left. And imagine this church has been planted. This is, their, this is one of their spiritual fathers. Letters then were different than letters now and that you don't get them every day and just throw them away when you get them. Like letters then were like a big deal. So imagine catching wind that this letter is coming from your spiritual father to you. You probably get excited about the fact that Paul is writing us a letter until you read it. And then you realize, man, we ain't got nothing to be excited about. We got some work to do. So he comes out swinging. So he kind of, hey, this is Paul. I'm writing you this letter. I've been praying for you. All glory to God forever and ever and amen. Verse 6, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Verse 6, you're drifting. And so we pick up in chapter 3. I'm going to read this. It's going to be up on the screen. You can follow along. I'm going to stop a couple places and, and say a couple things, but for the most part, I'm going to walk right through it. <clears throat> All right, verse 1. O foolish Galatians. Now, let's stop for just a second. Didn't get too far, did we? The word foolish, you probably aren't sitting at Sue's on like a Thursday night listening to karaoke and colloquially using the word foolish. Just not something that we use, but Sue's, you should go to. But it, it, if you're if you're talking to your friends, you're probably just not randomly using the word uh, foolish. It's not something that's like pertinent to us right now. We just don't use that a lot in our language. This would have been a massive insult. Like can't say from stage insult. Okay. And so he's trying to get their attention. He's going, Hey, 
Foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Now, my only context for bewitched is Nick at night. I had to look up this word. If for you younger people, maybe you don't know what Nick at Night is. You didn't watch that with your parents growing up. There was a show called Bewitched. The lady wiggled her nose. Evidently, she was a witch, and her house was clean. <laughs> Sounds like a pretty good gig to me, but, you know, again, not what Paul's saying. What Paul's going is, hey, foolish Galatians, who tricked you? Who has deceived you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. You saw this. You know people that watch this. You have talked to people. Let me ask you only this. I want to ask you one question. Did you receive the Spirit? Were you saved? Did you receive the Spirit by works, things that works of the law, things that you did, or by hearing with faith? Did the Spirit reveal this to you, or did you earn it? Are you so foolish? Again, with the insult. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Something that God started, you're going to try to finish it on your own? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Did you do all this for nothing? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? God supplies his Spirit. He works miracles that you get to see. Is that because of something you've done? No. Just as Abraham has believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So Paul is just coming out the gate. He's letting them know this has nothing to do with you. And when you start drifting towards it being about you, there's a massive problem there. So what Paul's coming at is this. Uh, We drift, whether we drift towards sin or we drift towards legalism, we're drifting towards the flesh. Both of them are flesh. Both of them are relying on the law. Both of them are turning away from God and relying on ourselves. So I wrote this down. We drift towards our flesh, us being in control, us saying what is right and wrong, us doing what we believe is best, us setting ourselves up to be God in our own lives. Setting ourselves up to be God in our own lives. We all drift, myself included. So as I was uh, reading this and praying through it at Waffle House in Myrtle Beach, because we were on vacation when I was working on this, Early one morning, I felt inclined to write this down. Oh, foolish people of Anderson. Remember what we just talked about in verses uh, 1 through 6. Oh, foolish people of Anderson. Who tricked you? Don't you remember when Jesus was revealed to you? Let me ask you one thing. Did you receive the Spirit? Were you saved? from the works that you did or by hearing with faith? Oh, foolish people of Anderson, who tricked you? Don't you remember when Jesus was revealed to you? Let me ask you this. Did you receive the spirit from the works that you did or by hearing with faith? It is God's grace through faith that you've been saved. If you have Jesus Christ Uh, If you have recognized Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you've been saved. And if you've been saved, it is by God's grace through faith that he offered you that you were saved. So I've got one point today, and I'm going to spend a whole bunch of time talking about it, and we're going to hit it, so just stick with me. Point number one, remember you were saved by faith. 
If you've got Jesus, if Jesus is your Savior, if you, if you say that you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a disciple of Jesus, if you were trying to pattern your life after Jesus because of a revelation that you have received, it's because the Spirit gave you that revelation. Now, I want to I poke my finger right here really quickly. If you hear that and you go, man, that's awesome. I've been a Christian for 30 years. I get that. What's next? You don't get it because that's it. That's all of it. That's the whole kit and caboodle. And what I want to ask you to do today is to lean into the reminder that is through God's grace, through faith, that you have eternal life with Christ. So would you close your eyes? If you're in, it doesn't matter, just everywhere, close your eyes, watch online, close your eyes, do this with me right now. Will you close your eyes and will you think about, if you're not a believer in the room, you just sit there and rest. It's okay. If you're a believer, would you think about when you gave your life to Jesus? When you, when you remember going, oh, I'm a sinner, I'm in need of a Savior, I need Jesus, the Holy Spirit revealed that to you, and you said yes to it. Will you think about that? Think about the smells, think about where you were, think about who was with you. Now, I doubt any, everybody can look up. Anybody, in, anybody, like, you did all of these things, and then all of a sudden the Sunday school teacher came to you and said, now you're saved. No. That's not how it works. Or uh, you, you stopped drinking for seven weeks or eight weeks in a row, and now you're saved. Or you read your Bible every day for three months, and now you're, they don't work like that. In your story, when you were saved, God revealed something to you. For me, I was in the fifth grade. I was in Miss Gerges' class. I went to St. George Baptist Church. My parents are sitting out here. They can tell you all, all about all this. And I remember as a fifth grader at St. George Baptist Church going, I'm in, I'm in a bad way. I need God. I need Jesus. And I took my little behind and I walked down to the front and went, Pastor Art, I need Jesus. And, and I, I remember that. So there are a couple things that I want to point out here about when we receive Christ. Uh, the first thing is this. You cannot receive salvation from God without the Spirit of God. Now, there are two sides of that coin. I've said this a lot. You can't receive Christ unless God opens your eyes to it. God does that. He does that work in your heart. The Holy Spirit um, creates an invitation for you, and you respond to that invitation. So that's one side of it. The other side of it is this, and I feel like I need to spend a little bit of, uh, I need to press here for a moment. For a long time, I thought I could be saved and not have the Spirit of God. Meaning that I could get out of hell, I could have eternal life with God, and live how I wanted to here, and turn my, turn my eyes and my ears away from the Spirit of God, and not have the Spirit of God. And you, it don't work that way. When you get saved, it says in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 and 13, when you get saved, God gives you the Holy Spirit. So you've heard the language, I received Christ. Well, that's quite literal because in uh, Romans 8, 9, it says that you receive the spirit of Christ when you confess that he is Lord and Savior. So you get the Holy Spirit deposited into you when you were a believer. This is something that I did not understand until I was probably 23, 24 years old. So I'm, I'm, I'm saved. And I don't use air quotes. I think I was saved. I'm pretty sure I was saved. I confess my mouth and believe in my heart, so I'm going to claim that promise. I was saved, but I was, I mean, I'm drifting over here, and then I'm over here, and I'm drifting this way, and then I'm back over this way, and I'm just drifting everywhere. 
because I'm not walking in step with the Spirit because I didn't understand. Nobody had ever told me that the Holy Spirit was deposited into my life when I gave my life to Christ. And so if you're a believer in the room and you've been following Jesus for any amount of time uh, or, or trying to follow Jesus and you've been trying to do that apart from the Spirit, you can't. Go memorize Romans without the Spirit of God. You know what you could have? A lot of work in front of you and a whole lot of words that don't mean nothing because it, it's brought to life by the Spirit. <clears throat> Second thing, you can't follow Jesus. I kind of said this, but you can't follow Jesus without the Spirit of God. So here's the reason that the Spirit is given to us and deposited into us. Here, I, I wrote a couple of things down that the Spirit does. The Spirit sanctifies us. He makes us more like Jesus. The Spirit guides us. He gives us direction and helps us figure out where we're going. The Spirit feeds us. He makes sure that our soul is growing and healthy and we're becoming more like Christ. He protects us. He keeps us away from things that would harm us. Uh, he befriends us. He walks with us when things are tough and when we're going through a hard time and, we're going, and when we're going through good times. Um, and he convicts us. That's a short list. He does a ton of stuff. But that last one, conviction, uh, is something that I shied away from because I thought it was bad. Like I'd always been taught if I'm being convicted, then I'm doing something bad and that I don't want to do bad things. So I don't want to be convicted, so I want to stay away from it. When the reality is like, I want to put a new lens on conviction. Conviction is not bad. It is the Spirit of God letting us know that there's something better for us. So as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple of Jesus, don't you want the better things that God has? Then let me tell you what you want. You want conviction. You need conviction. Conviction keeps you out the ditches on the road. Conviction keeps you from drifting this way and that way. And conviction can only come from the Spirit of God. Your flesh cannot convict you, not of the things of God. The Spirit gets us to the saving truth of Christ. The Spirit opens our eyes. The Spirit shows us our greatest need. This is what Paul is saying to the Galatians. And while the Spirit's doing all that, the enemy gets to work telling us that we can do it in our flesh, that we know better. And because of that, this is my own personal experience, I abandon, quench, silence, turn my ears and my eyes away from the Holy Spirit. So the enemy's doing this work. Okay, I'm saved. I'm good. I'm out of hell. Now I can figure everything else out on my own. And Paul is going to the Galatians, hey, you're drifting. And while that letter is written to them, I believe it's for us. And so uh, I don't think people drift because they want to. I didn't drift because I, I necessarily wanted to. I drifted because I didn't know any better. And so I want to give you guys like a, a practical tool. I'm a super practical person. I want to give you a practical tool that you can use to, to hopefully keep you in the road. Now, I've said road a couple times, talked about drifting a couple times. How many of y'all, I just accidentally burped. I don't know if that came through the microphone or not. I apologize if it did. <clears throat> so sorry. Very professional of me. Um, but we're family. You burp in front of family. How many of you have ever been driving? You're driving. You're doing your thing, thinking about whatever, and you hear this. Some of y'all just don't care. And the passenger's like, what are you, are you trying to kill me? What is happening right now? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay. Those are called rumble strips. Learn that this week. Also learned this week, loose statistic, 
that since rumble strips have been put in place, because you know, I, we didn't have rumble strips when I was growing up. We had my daddy's arm going, hey, <laughs> sit back. Since rumble strips have been put in place, uh, accidents have decreased about 28%. Not bad. It's a close, we're close, okay. Um, but think how many times you've drifted off to sleep or you haven't been paying attention or you've been doing something you shouldn't have been doing in your car, you know, looking at your phone, whatever. And, and if it's not for that rumble strip, you end up in a ditch. Y'all know. Or hitting, some, hitting something or it just happens. God has given us the Holy Spirit to when we're about to drift into a ditch. It is a gift that God has offered you. Y'all want to be in, do you, does anybody in here want to be in a spiritual ditch? Didn't think so. So what you're saying then is you want the Holy Spirit. You want to kindle the Holy Spirit because if, if we can quench, silence, turn our ears away from the Spirit, then what has to be true is that we can ignite, we can invite, we can do things to kindle the Holy Spirit inside of us. And so I've had to do this in my life. I have to do this now. And the reason why is because I drift. And so I want to show you this picture of this, of this triangle. Um, so this is from a guy named Dallas Willard. He's brilliant. If you've been through our Connect class, we talk about this in here. I want to show you how this has played out in my life. If you want to kindle the Holy Spirit, if you want to walk and step with the Holy Spirit, if you want to stay in the road and you want the that's going to keep you from going in the ditch, this is it. God's truth, community, and spiritual disciplines are all invitations that kindle the Holy Spirit. Now, let me tell you how this is. Let me quickly define these things. God's truth, the truth of God, not lies of the enemy. What are the promises of God? What is the character of God? Uh, what, what are, what are the, um, the traits of God? These are all things that would fall under the category of God's truth. You can get this from the Bible. You can get this from community. You can get this from spiritual disciplines. I got news for you. You can also get lies from community. So it's important who you're spending time with. I'll get to that in a minute. Community. This is defined in this triangle as people who are also trying to follow Jesus the best that they can. Because when I, I'll, again, I'll get into this. When I was at Clemson, I had lots of great friends. Had lots of great friends growing up. If I was flat tire on the side of the road, they'd come help me. They ain't telling me about the truth of God, though. And then spiritual disciplines. Reading your Bible, prayer, fasting, tithing, uh, praying, uh, community is a spiritual discipline, uh, getting time in God's truth, uh, going to church, those are all things that, you, that would fall into the category of spiritual disciplines. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about my story. I told you in the fifth grade, uh, I gave my life to Jesus. From about 12 years old until 21 years old, there was very little of this, and it played itself out in different ways. And so, I, like I said, I had good friends. I didn't really have a ton of spiritual discipline. The truth of God that I knew is that who built the ark? Noah, Noah, who built the ark? Brother Noah built the ark. Anybody? Father Abraham. I mean, we can keep going. Y'all want to know some more? So, like, those are all truths. Those are things that are in Scripture, but they are not promises that I can stand on. When I'm being attacked spiritually, the fact that Noah built the ark don't really help me none. You know what I'm saying? And so... I go, through, uh, I go through high school, and I'm an okay kid. I get to college. I, I party a good bit, uh, and I'm drinking a lot. And uh, I get invited to a Bible study at the Woodlands that Coop's leading. I think it was on Tuesday nights because he preached his fuse message for Wednesday on Tuesday, and then we talked about it. And for the first time ever, 
on a regular basis, I was hearing truths from scripture that were for me that I could build my life on. I am around people who are trying to pursue God the way that I'm trying to pursue God. And I start reading my Bible and praying. So then I go to a party on Thursday night. Mind you, this is on Tuesday. Go to a party on Thursday night. Get ready to open that fifth beer. Maybe I ought to stop at four. Keep doing these a couple weeks later. Open that second beer. Hey, maybe you ought to just chill out for a while. And so it starts to play, and I'm, I'm continuing to read my Bible, continue to put myself around people. I had, to, I had to go to a group of friends and say, I love you guys. I love you. If you need anything, call me. I can't spend my weekends with you anymore. Because I had community, but it, it was not Jesus community. It was not Holy Spirit kindling community. And so I continue to do this, and, and, and this plays out in different ways, but I want to get to last September. So last September, uh, again, this is, I, I've been doing this stuff. I feel the drrr in my life from time to time, and I correct myself, okay, uh, and ask the Spirit to, to make those things bother me, to make the drrr bother me, because you know you can get to a place where drrr doesn't bother you, and you're just walking in a ditch. And so last September, uh, we were celebrating uh, with some of our friends and, uh, uh, an anniversary, <clears throat> And this was, this was my, my day, okay? I'm not putting this on anybody else. This is me. This is my day. Uh, we started off by eating pizza at Sidewall. Great. Great pizza over at Sidewall. You should make that happen. We left there, went to Top Golf, where they have the donuts where you can take the syringe and shoot the chocolate into the donut. Not saying it's a bad idea, all right? Uh, leave there. We go by Crumble Cookie in Greenville. Anybody knows what that is? The cookies are like the size of this table right here. Amazing. Go home, shower, change clothes, come back. Tara and I uh, go to dinner at Taco Sushi in Greenville. We leave there, go to Sobeys for dessert and a drink to celebrate. Okay. My caloric intake for the day, you don't want to know. I went in. And I woke up the next morning and physically I felt fine but spiritually I was distraught because God was he was poking at something and what he was poking at was I I had started uh, putting my hope I was starting putting my comfort I had started putting uh, what I was anticipating being a part of into food and drink And, and my indulgence was in those things and not in God and so what he's doing is going, hey, you need to work on this indulgence thing. So I did. Lost some weight, started eating healthier, being more mindful of what I was doing, uh, exercising. Get to, I lose about 30 pounds. I get to this place probably in April or May where I'm sitting on my couch. I'm feeling good about myself, still eating good, working out, doing my thing. Uh, still doing these things up here. And it's the end of the day, and I'm scrolling. Amazon. Y'all love Amazon. They can get you, a, if you order something now, it'll be at your house today. And you don't have to get on Clemson Boulevard. It's amazing. Scrolling. Nothing there. Nike. Huh. Wish list. Lululemon. Too expensive. Back to Nike. Order. Apple Pay. Don't even need my card number. Just need my face. confirmation email, shipping number, four days, three days, two days, one day, delivered. 
Sitting in the office, can't wait to try on those shoes. Can't wait to try on those shoes. Man, those shoes are going to look good. Get home, box, open it up, shoes, boom, put them on. Yes. In my closet, put them back, go sit down on the couch. Hey, that indulgence thing, you're just moving it around. I want to give you joy from the well that doesn't run dry. I want to give you comfort that I've already paid for. You don't have to. And so let me, let me tell you something. If you hear me say that donuts that you can shoot chocolate into are bad, or that having a beer is bad, or that Nike is bad, don't drift over here to legalism. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying those things that are bad unless they are. Unless you're using those things to fulfill something that God intends to fulfill. So how do you utilize this stuff? Do you have places that you are regularly getting the truth of God from? from people, from teaching. I, I just, this thought just popped into my mind. I'm gonna trust that this is the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the person standing up here is not to entertain you. It's to help guide you. It's to present truth to you. It's to, to keep you in the road because we love you. If you happen to laugh, that's awesome. My job ain't to make you laugh. So do you have places that you're getting God's truth? Where are your spiritual disciplines? What is your community like? Those things kindle the spirit. Those things create opportunity for the Holy Spirit to work inside of you. Those things are going to keep you in the road. Those things, the more you do that, the more you're going to feel in your life. And that's not God with a lightning bolt waiting to strike you down. That's him going, hey, I got something better for you. Drink this water. You won't be thirsty anymore. And so for me, over the past couple of months... I have felt the Lord standing in my time with him. I have felt the Lord. You can, you, well, you know what? Leave it up there. I have felt the Lord from time to time as I hear standing on the edge of the beach going, hey, we're over here. Drifting a little bit. Maybe just a little. Come out this way. And the way that the, a really helpful tool to go along with this that has been great for me is, th is this question. Because the thing about drifting is, remember, you don't know that you're drifting. This question has been extraordinarily powerful for me. And John McDermott uh, said this in passing, in a, well, not in passing, in a conversation we were in. And it's, it's just stuck with me. It's, uh, it's this idea, Holy Spirit, if there's, if there's a place that I'm drifting that I can't see, will you make it bother me? Make it bother me. I don't want to drift. I want to walk with the Spirit. 
not with the flesh. You started this. I want you to finish this. You opened my eyes to salvation. I want you to continue to sanctify me. You gave me the first taste of the bread of life. I want you to continue to feed me. You've made me more than a conqueror. There's nothing I've done. Very plainly, the Holy Spirit, God, is for you. He wants to see you walk in the road. He doesn't want you in the ditches. And so right now, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have a little bit of time where we're, where we're silent. And I want to ask you, will you be bold enough to ask the Spirit of God if there's a place that you're drifting and ask Him to make it bother you? And I want to encourage you, if you brought something to write with, if you've got your phone, pull it out. Pull your phone out. Go ahead and do it now before we start praying. Pull your phone out. Some of y'all already got them out. That's great. Pull your phone out. Pull your notebook out. Whatever you got. And I want you to ask God, is there a place that I'm drifting? Will you make it bother me? And if in just a moment we're going to sing and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come fill this room to rest on us. And if you need to pray and confess something, if you need to ask God to fill you again with the Holy Spirit, if you need to talk to somebody about the saving grace of Jesus, there'll be folks down here on either side of the room that would love to talk to you. If you want to talk to someone about prayer, about being prayed for, maybe you're a college student in the room or you're watching online and your story is similar to mine and this is the first time you felt in a long time. But God's truth and community and spiritual disciplines will kindle the Holy Spirit. And as we step more into those things, God and his kindness will make it bother us if we ask him to. So let's pray together. Father, thank you song we sang at the beginning, all my life you have been faithful. God, you have been so faithful to me. When I quenched and turned my ears away and extinguished all the that you were trying, I just ignored it, God, and you were still kind. I end up in a ditch and you send a wrecker. <laughs> so Father, I want to ask now that you would give everyone in here the eyes and ears to clearly hear from your spirit if there's something that needs to bother them, if there's a place where you've got something better for them, God. If there's a place they've added to the gospel and you've got something better, point it out. If there's a, if there's a place where they're living in sin and you've got something better, point it out. Father, I pray that our responses whether that's sitting in our seat quietly, typing on our phone or writing something out, whether that's praying, whether that's coming down front, whether that's standing and worshiping, whatever it is, God, I pray that our responses would be glorifying to you, King Jesus. And Holy Spirit, I pray that anytime we try to turn away from you towards the flesh, we start to drift, that in your kindness, you wave your arms, Tell us, where, here's the cooler, here's the umbrella. And along the way, so that we know that you're with us.